Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and a very warm welcome to our friends at Kardak Radio, Paul Christian Spiritualist Church, and the Spiritist Society of Bournemouth for a very enjoyable evening. Uh, we've got the lovely Adam Osborne joining us from Maidenhead, who I've had the pleasure of meeting a little while back. And of course, the evening is going to be hosted by none other than Fabricio Fabricio. <laughs> <laughs> Fabricio, sir, could I hand over to you, please? Thank you. Hello, everybody. Um, I am Fabricio Sonson from the Spirited Society of Bournemouth. I'm very pleased to join once again with Florence Saville from Paul Christian Spiritualist Church. We very warmly welcome tonight to another online broadcast together. I'm so pleased also to welcome our guest speaker, Adam Osborne. Adam is coordinator of the Kaitak Group, which is composed of the Spiritist Society of Windsor and Maidenhead, and the Spirit Society of Bister. He is a former deputy chairperson of the British Union Spirit of Society. Adam works as a language translator and has translated many Spiritist materials into English. For several years, he worked in Brazil including working and studying with Spiritists in Rio de Janeiro. Many of you will know Adam on the weekly online study group on Mondays of the Spirits book, which includes members from the Kardec group, as well as from the Spirit Society of Bournemouth and further afield. The Spirit Society of Bournemouth also runs a full program of studies of Spirits teaching on several days every week. Um, these teachings revealed by the spirit to the 19th century French writer Alain Kardec show us that every person's spirit is immortal and show how each of us can grow spiritually. We are an open group. Anybody can join us. Until the current lockdown, we had our meetings in Bournemouth, but during the current lockdown, we studied together online. If you'd like further information, please message me on our Facebook page. Tonight, we are looking forward very much to Adam's talk to us about the Golden Room. But just first, let us go to Lawrence, who will lead us in our opening prayer. Thank you very much, Fabricio. If you could just still all your minds just for this short time and link in with that God of your own understanding. Divine and infinite spirit, we come before you once more to join together, to share our own separate understandings and to reveal the truth that all paths lead to the one source, the one light, the one divinity. And we are here as brothers and sisters this whole world united now as one, in one common cause, to progress, to leave behind the days of isolation, to alleviate sickness, and to console the bereaved. We'd ask that nights like these gather in their energies and their outreach that we can share these teachings and see the similarities between one another in an ending truth that we all come from but the one source. Amen. 
thank you, Lawrence. So now um, I hand it over to Adam Osborne for his talk on the golden rule. Over to you, Adam. Great, thank you very much. And thank you, Lawrence and Fabrizio. Thank you to all our friends at the Paul Christian Spiritualist Church, all our friends at the Spirit Society of Bournemouth, and all our friends around the UK and the world who connected to us right now via Facebook and Cardiac Radio. It's great to be with everyone once again. So we're going to talk today about this thing called the Golden Rule, which I hope many people have already heard of, but no, don't worry if you haven't. So what is the Golden Rule? Where does it come from? And why should we be concerned with it at this moment in time? And what does Spiritism itself tell us regarding this? So, what is the Golden Rule? Well, the Golden Rule is a label that we put onto a set of reflective phrases and guidelines that have actually been around for a very long time. And perhaps is represented best by the following. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm sure, sorry, I'm sure most people have heard of this phrase before. But what does it actually mean? Do we really understand the meaning of this? Should we be concerned with this? Is it something for us to apply to our lives which is easy for us to do? So let's look at a few of the main attributes of the golden rule so perhaps we can understand better what it actually is. So, it's the basic guide of how we should treat others, the need of respect towards each other that we need to have. It's known as the law of reciprocity, that we get what we give. It's part of the laws of cause and consequence. The golden rule helps us to understand the connections we have to each other and the connections that we should be having with each other. It allows us to see our position within society, within a hierarchy, within work, within society in general, and how we should behave in that society. It shows us why we should have empathy for others for the empathy for the situation that they're in, for what they might be going through. The golden rule helps us to understand the usage of patience and tolerance. And it helps to justify and explain the need of charity in our lives. So these are just a few of the attributes, and there are many others. But these are the ones we're going to focus on for the rest of this presentation. So, where does it come from? You know, we've got a quick idea of what the Golden Rule is, but where did it start? Now, I'm sure many people may know this only from the New Testament. Some people think that it's older, some people think it's newer. So, I'm going to show now a historical timeline of where we know it has been written down or inscribed over the years. And just so you know that these dates that I'm going to show are just approximations, they're not necessarily the exact date. So we're going to start off 
about 4,000 years ago in Egypt and explore what's known as the laws of Matt. So this is Matt. Matt was an Egyptian goddess who was worshipped around four, four and a half thousand years ago. And she, as the goddess, was the personification of truth and justice for society. And her guidance was seen as the ethical values that all Egyptians should follow in their daily lives. And these were seen as the norms of society, both in the incarnate, the living, and the discarnate worlds. So those on the spiritual plane. Now, these guides from Matt were formed into what's known as the 42 negative confessions, which are a list of declarations such as, I have not stolen. I have not attacked any man. I have not acted with evil rage. And all of these compiled into what's known as the Book of the Dead, and these phrases would actually be inscribed on people's tombs to help sure that the goddess Matt would give them the correct kind of justice once they get into the afterlife. And part of these laws are presented in a folk story called The Eloquent Peasant, which we know was composed and written down around 1850 BC. And in there, in this story, we have a message that says, that which you hate to be done to you, do not do to another. So 4,000 years ago, we have possibly the very first written message with these moral guidelines for us to consider our behavior toward other people. So let's jump forward a bit, a few hundred years, to around the same part of the world, to 1300 BC, to an important event which involved a guy called Moses and the event called the Exodus. Now, I'm quite sure you all have heard of this guy. It's not Charlton Heston, it is Moses. And he was an Egyptian prince. Actually, he was adopted. So he wasn't born Egyptian, he was adopted and became Egyptian prince, who later became a very important prophet. And his story is that you know, when he discovered his original heritage, that he was the child of an Israelite slave, he saw with fresh eyes how the slaves were being abused and then became rebellious. He rejected his adopted family and he fled Egypt. He then became a shepherd, and one day when he was out there looking for his lost sheep, he came across a burning bush, which communicated with him, announcing that it was God. And God then requested that Moses goes back to Egypt to free all the slaves. And so from that, we have the Exodus story, now the one with the Pharaoh, the plagues, and the majority of this story is what makes up the Old Testament or the Torah. So the Torah being the five books of the Old Testament. And in the Exodus story, we have these items that were part of a communication from God and they're called the Ten Commandments. Well, commandments isn't 
exactly the correct word for it. It's more duties or deeds that would be the more accurate translation. But these are the guidelines of how to be considered a good person both now and in the afterlife. So we have things like, you know, honor your mother and your father, do not kill, do not use God's name in vain, do not commit adultery, do not steal. So quite important things about how we should act and behave in society. So apart from the Ten Commandments or duties, we also have clear phrases within the books of Exodus and Leviticus in the Old Testament, which are part of the Exodus story itself. So in Exodus, we have a clear instruction saying, love your neighbor as yourself. And in the book of Leviticus, we have, you shall not take vengeance or bear grudge against your kinsfolk. And so all of this, the commandments, these instructions, the other instructions that we can find in the Old Testament were guidelines for the 600,000 people who fled Egypt. And they were there to help them to learn how to live alongside each other especially considering that they were going to spend the next 40 years in the desert. Uh, you know, we've, many people have been complaining about the past couple of months that we've been in lockdown through COVID. But no, these guys had 40 years of being in you know, not the greatest condition. So let's move forward a bit. Let's head east, go to Nepal, to around 600 BC, and look at the story of Buddha. Well, actually, we're going to look at the story of Siddhartha Gautama. Now, Siddhartha Gautama was born in southern Nepal around 630 BC in, a, in an area called Lumbini. And at that time, the Indian religions were going through a bit of a philosophical transformation. And this guy, Siddhartha, he was born into a rather wealthy family, and they wanted to protect him from the outside world. Then one day, he sort of realized that he would actually have to suffer illness, old age, death. And he left home. He ran away from home in order to find the root cause of human suffering. And he spent many years learning from different teachers, going from one place to another. And then after many years of trying to find an answer, he was almost at the point of giving up when he decided, right, okay, that's it. He went and sat down under a fig tree, started to meditate, and actually reached the state called nirvana, or enlightenment. And that's at the point that he then became known as Buddha, becoming an insightful, philosophical, and spiritual teacher. And now part of the Buddhist teachings are the scriptures known as the Tripitaka. And in these, Buddha gives lots of lessons, including the following. Hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. And putting oneself in the place of another, one should not kill, nor cause another to kill. So you see, we're already getting similar messages to those that 
the goddess Matt and Moses also brought to us. Jumping on a bit more, still staying in that part of the world over in the east, in China, 500 BC, and we're going to talk about another guy I'm sure many people have heard of called Confucius. Now, Confucius was born into a military family, and he worked in various governmental roles, and was seen as many people as a really good role model of proper conduct, of righteousness in society. And he worked as a politician for a long time, and many of the works that contributed to him, many of his sayings, are called the Analects. And these are, some of them are parable-like stories. And part of the Analects, we can find the following items. What you do not wish for yourself, do not do to others. And there's another item as well, where it's a story, where a disciple goes along and asks, Master, is there any one word that could give a person, that could guide a person throughout life? And then the master replies, how about reciprocity? Never impose on others what you would not choose for yourself. So these are quite insightful words that we're finding, and that's probably one reason why many people still relate to Confucius nowadays. So we're going to head back west and go to Greece and look at this guy called Isocrates. So Isocrates, he was an, an orator, a speechwriter. So he was a lecturer and he was born, we think, in 436 BC. And we know that he lived to be about 98 years old. And he's a contemporary of Socrates, who was born in 470 BC, and Plato, who was born in 428 BC. And Socrates, he had a set of works called the Nicocles, which were a set of lectures that he was giving to the people of Cyprus. And in there, he comes out with something quite profound. He says, do not do to others that which angers you when they do it to you. Practice nothing in your deeds for which you condemn others in your words. Now, it is possible that these were actually the thoughts and teachings of Socrates, which Socrates wrote down, because one thing that not many people know is that Socrates actually made a point of never writing down his own works. So there are many things that he probably came out with, but are attributed to other people. And this could well be works of Socrates. So we're going to move on from Greece and we're going to head back east to roughly the same era and look at something called the Mahabharata. Now, the Mahabharata is an important Indian scripture which, held, which was compiled by a writer called Vyasa. And the story goes that the deity Ganesh, the elephant-headed deity, helped him write it and was the actual scribe for the works. And this scripture 
the Mahabharata is a dramatic story. Uh, it's of the events that were supposedly happened about 1000, 1500 BC. But some people think that the events may have taken place around 3000 BC. And the Mahabharata is also important because it contains the Bhagavad Gita, which is central to, uh, because it's got stories about Krishna, his aspects of life, and is within the Hindu and Hare Krishna faiths. And within these scriptures, we have the following passage, which was part of a conversation. It goes like this. One should never do something to others that one would regard as an injury to one's own self. In brief, this is Dharma. Anything else is succumbing to desire. Now, what is Dharma? Dharma is the word for the cosmic law, the behaviors that are needed for righteous duties, righteous living for the laws of the universe itself. And so here in the Mahabharata, we they are equating good behavior to being part of these universal laws that flow through every part of life, through all of us. And so we're going to skip to roughly the same part of the world, to Persia, to roughly the same area, and we're going to look at the religion called Zoroastrianism. Now, Zoroastra, or Zarathustra, as some language call him, was born around 1000, 1500 BC. And so he was possibly born around the same time as Moses. He was a very insightful person and was considered one of the very first philosophers. And his teachings are regarded to have influenced various philosophers, various religions, and of course, the religion of Zoroastrianism, which is founded on his teachings. Now, he was spiritual and teached about something important, monotheism, which is the idea of a single god. And he also taught about reducing rituals and religious ceremonies, teaching ideas about the afterlife, as well as ideas regarding cause and consequence. And there are two core teachings which are from him. The first one is, whatever is disagreeable to yourself, do not do to others. Whatever you do not approve for yourself, do not approve for anyone else. When you have acted in this manner, you are righteous. So very con contemplative messages here, very insightful messages that we're getting regarding our behavior, our attitudes, action and consequence. And we're going to stay in the Middle East, but go to another little country called Israel to around 50 BC and look at a guy called Hillel the Elder. Now, if you haven't heard of this guy, uh, Hillel the Elder was a very important figure within the religious and political landscape of Israel and the providence of Judah during the time of the Roman occupation. So he was born around 
110 BC, and he studied profoundly the Jewish religious laws and became a very respected rabbi. And he founded one of the main schools of thought called the House of Hillel, which actually still exists even today. And in this place, they would study all aspects of ethics, of theology, of religious practice, daily life, and they just all talk about these things openly, discuss them openly, come up with new ideas of trying to better ourselves. And Hillel, he became the president of the thing called the Sanhedrin, which was a court, a place of judgment, which is mentioned in various books, including the Spiritist book, Paul and Stephen, uh, Stephen, a great book about the Apostle Paul. And Hillel was important in spreading the ideas of peace and unity. And one of the ideas that he came up with was an idea related to social justice or social justice order called Tikkun Olam. And that was the concept that everyone, absolutely everyone, has the direct responsibility for not only their own moral, spiritual and material welfare, but for the moral, spiritual and material welfare of society in general. And there are some phrases that are attributed to him and written in various books at that time, which we can still find now, including, do not judge your friend until you have stood in their place. So a bit of empathy there. And then there's also another story which a non-believer at the time, because, you know, at the time of a military occupation from another country, no, the people may start to lose their faith, start to lose their religion. And so a non-believer went up to him, well, actually not to him, to another guy called Shammai, who had a, a sort of competitor, competitive house of study, and went up to him and said, Rabbi Shammai, you're considered a great teacher, and to prove this, while I stand on one foot, I want you to teach me all the laws of the Torah, of the Old Testament. Now, this guy, Shammai, he knew that this would be a trick and would be impossible to give all that kind of knowledge and instruction in a short amount of time, because no one can stand on their foot for a long time, just on one foot. So he decided to send him back to this guy, to Hillel, knowing that Hillel would also fail in giving the information. So the guy went to Hillel and said, Rabbi Hillel, you're regarded as the greatest teacher. Teach me all that there is in the Torah while I stand on just one leg. Hillel thought for a moment. He agreed. And while the man started to stand on one leg, Hillel thought to himself and then said the following. That which is hateful to you, do not do to your fellow. That is the entire Torah. The rest is just commentary. Now go and study. So Hillel, this rabbi, was able to pass the concept that something simple can be used to explain something very big and deep. But we also need to study. We need to look at things. We need to reflect. We need to look within ourselves as well. 
And now we're going to come on to the last item in this historical timeline. We're going to stay in Israel, but jump forward just a few years to a guy called, which I'm sure many people know, called Jesus. Now, Yeshua ben Yosef, or Yeshua son of Joseph, also known as Jesus of Nazareth, son of Mary of Nazareth, was born, we, we believe, roughly 4 BC, and he was also a rabbi and philosopher. Now, I'm pretty sure most people have heard of him and his story and the teachings that he provided, the story of his disciples, and so I'm not going to go into that too much. But there are a few passages from the Sermon on the Mount, which I want to mention, passages from the books of Matthew and Luke. And in Matthew, uh, item 712, we have in there, do to others what you want them to do to you. That is the meaning of the law of Moses and the teaching of the prophets. Now, by the words law of Moses, he's referring to the Torah, to the Old Testament, because that those were the Jewish laws that everyone would be studying at that time. And the prophets that he mentions are the various major and minor prophets that we can find in the complete Old Testament, which include Moses, Noah, Jonah. And nowadays, these people would actually be considered as mediums, as they brought communications from high spirits, from God, to help others. And now we can see in Luke, another similar piece of text from Matthew, do to others what you would want them to do to you. So, you know, this is continuing quite well from what we then received almost 2,000 years beforehand from the laws of Matt. But let's go further. So continuing with the Gospel of Matthew, we have in chapter 22, verses 34 to 40, the following, which we can also find in the Gospel According to Spiritism, one of the important books from Alan Kardec that we use within Spiritism. And the background of this passage is that Jesus was at the main temple in Jerusalem, talking, philosophizing with those who wanted to li listen, which is actually something that only rabbis would be allowed to do. And various people were asking him questions, some trying to test him to see how well he knew the Jewish scriptures, the Torah, the Jewish law, because it was at a point where Within his ministry, he wasn't as well known as near the end. And one of the people who came up to him was Pharisee, which was a philosophical and spiritual Jewish group who believed, who accepted the idea of discussing and commenting on the Torah. And they also believed in the immortality of the soul, you know, the concepts of a spirit, of an afterlife and reincarnation. And just to so you know that the, the word rabbi, the formation of the rabbis, actually started with the Pharisees as well. So this guy, this Pharisee, who's someone spiritual, went up to Jesus to openly discuss aspects of the religious scriptures and says to him, teacher, rabbi, what is the greatest commandment in the law? So what's the greatest commandment in the Torah, in the Old Testament? 
And Jesus replies, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So we have again the strong confirmation of the importance of looking at our behaviour. Confirmations for the same golden rule messages that we've already looked at. Messages that have been passed around in different forms for 2,000 years up to this point. Now, that's great looking at that. So what we're going, let's now look at what Spiritism says about this, because obviously we're here making this bridge, representing Spiritism. And so there are other moments that we know of over the past 4,000 years where people have received the same message. And we can find it in all religions, including Islam, Sikhism, the African religions, Yoruba, the indigenous religions of North America, of South America, of Australia, the Polynesian races. And in Spiritism, this philosophy that Alan Kardec brought to us 160, 170 years ago. Well, in the Gospel according to Spiritism, we have a whole chapter actually dedicated to this. So chapter 11 is the chapter, love your neighbor as yourself. And these are the topics that, that are covered in this chapter. The greatest commandment, give to Caesar that which belongs to Caesar, the law of love, faith and charity. And so within, within chapter 11, we have item four, where Kardec himself mentions the following as a reflection of that passage from Matthew that I read a moment ago. And Kardec says, to love your neighbour as yourself, to do to others as you would have them do to you, expresses the most complete form of charity because it summarises all of humanity's obligations toward their fellow beings. All of humanity's obligations. And he continues, we can find no guide to take as an example that is more guaranteed in this respect than that we should do to others what we would have them do to us. What right have we to demand that they behave in any better manner, that they be more benevolent or more devoted to us than we are to them? So here, Kardec is helping us to understand the moral aspect of the Golden Rule, that no matter how we write or rewrite it, it is, as he says, the most guaranteed guide, the best guide for us to follow regarding our behaviour towards each other. And in the same chapter, we also have messages from spirits, so from the spirit of Lazarus and spirit Fenelon, who bring us messages that help us to reflect more on our behaviours, on our attitudes. 
And so Lazarus here tells us, in order to advance toward this goal, each person must overcome their instincts, that is to say, to perfect their sentiments. And Fenelon continues with, love is of a divine essence and everyone from the first to the last has a spark of the sacred fire in the bottom of their hearts. Now for me, when, when I read that message from Fenelon, I like to rem remember back to Genesis in the Old Testament, where we're told that God creates humans and gives them the divine spark, that God breathes the breath of life into man, the sacred breath, the sacred fire of life. So I like to link it to what Fenelon's saying there about this sacred fire that we have within us. And now also item 12 of the same chapter, an item titled Selfishness, we have a message from the spirit Pascal, who says, if charity reigned on earth, then evil could not prevail. It would fade away in shame. It would hide, seeing that wherever it went, it would feel out of place. So we can see that just within this one chapter of the Gospel according to Spiritism, we have an objective overview, an analytical observation, an idea of methodology, a hypothetical conclusion regarding the importance of the golden rule, which was actually very in keep with how Kardec was. He was a scientist, so he liked to structure things in a scientific way. So we have the scientific and philosophical structure to help us understand this thing called the golden rule. But it doesn't stop there within Spiritism. Within the Spirit's book, which is another great book for us to read because it's a set of questions and answers with questions posed to spirits and the answers from the spirits. We have chapter 12 of part three, part, and this talks about the moral laws and moral perfection, or the attitudes and behaviors we need for our evolution. And the book is set out by, chap, by questions. And so question 893 of the spirits book, which is the most meritorious of all the virtues? So that's the question that went from the mediums to the spirits. And the answer that came back, all virtues are meritorious because all are signs of progress on the path of the good. However, the highest virtue consists in the sacrifice of one's own interests for the good of one's neighbor without ulterior motives. The greatest merit is that which is based on the most disinterested charity. So here we have a firm message about helping others without wanting anything in return, about treating others with the same level of respect that we would want ourselves. In question 918, by what signs can we recognize in individuals the real progress that will raise their spirit within the spirit hierarchy? 
So Kardec's own comment on this is very interesting because the spirit hierarchy is that you know, we're down on this level and we want to get all the way up here to the pure angelic level. But we're still down here right now, still quite on the basic level. And Kardec's own comment is truly moral individuals are those who practice the law of justice, love and charity in its most complete purity. If they interrogate their conscience concerning their actions, they will ask if they have done to others what they would want others to do unto them. And then this is followed up by a great question regarding the application of the golden rule, how to actually use this information. Question 919. What is the most effective means of improving ourselves in this life and for resisting the draw of evil? A sage of antiquity has told you, know thyself. Self-knowledge is therefore the key to individual improvement. Now, these are just a couple of items from the Spirit's book and the Gospel According to Spiritism. But now we have a great set of references about where the Golden Rule comes from, the different versions of it, some of the snippets from within Spiritism itself, how it can impact us, how we should consider it regarding our own personal transformation. But why should we consider this now? Well, let's face it, no, we've been going through quite a bit of a bizarre time recently around the globe. We've had political tension between various countries, political and social tension due to Brexit, social tension in related to the Me Too scandals, this viral pandemic that's required us to socially distance ourselves from family and friends for so many months now, economic upheaval that's resulted in loss of income, redundancies, bankruptcies, company closures, tension due to the race-related rela issues that have been happening around the world, the, the Black Lives Matter movement. So lots of events and circumstances that have caused anxiety, tension, stress, disruption. And within this, not everyone is able to find the inner balance they need to counteract these disturbances and to live in a peaceful and harmonious way. Many few people are becoming more and more stressed and anxious. And many people have lost sight of why we are here on this planet and what improvements we can be making to our lives. And unfortunately, I think many people have possibly lost sight of the true aspects of fraternity and solidarity. So how can we apply all this to our daily life? Well, let's look again quickly at some of those aspects that we saw at the start of the presentation, you know, about how we should treat each other, law of reciprocity, all these things. And how can we apply this? One, 
we need to listen to others. We need to take the time to actually listen to what someone is saying. Take care of the details, the tone, the emotion. We need to practice empathy. Think about how and why someone is behaving or speaking in a certain way. We need to be patient because not everyone talks in the same way as us or expresses themselves in the same way as us. Not everything is going to happen in the way that we want it to happen. Besides, how would we like it if others rush, caused us to want to rush to do things? We need to consider each other as siblings in the sense of, you know, we all come from the same source. We're all brothers and sisters within humanity. We have the same starting point and we have the same final goal. We need to do our best to avoid criticism because we don't like it when others criticize us. So why should we judge and criticize those people? Consider the hardship or prejudice another has suffered. Empathy. We're talking about empathy again. Put yourself in their shoes. We cannot understand someone's life story, their background, unless we have experienced exactly the same things that they have been through. We need to allow ourselves to be calm because we can only help others and ourselves if we're calm enough to think rationally. We need to elevate our thoughts every single day. And this can be through meditation, through prayer, through connection with spiritual guides. And by doing this, we raise our thoughts and we can find within us this, inner, this spark of inner peace, this calmness that we need in order to not be irritated, to not be impatient, to be more tolerant, to be more loving. We need to be a friend to others because there are times when we need someone to be a friend to us. And most importantly, we need to be loving and compassionate. Respect others for who they are and how they are. We cannot change another person, but we can change ourselves. So we need to be loving and compassionate with ourselves. In fact, all these things are things that we need to apply to how we treat ourselves in as much as we treat others. Because we can only truly progress on our paths of evolution, of spiritual evolution, once we know how to care for and respect others as ourselves. And this is the law of reciprocity, the golden rule, the guide of love your neighbor as yourself. And there are two more things I'd like to share with you just before we finish. In a BBC interview just recently, the Dalai Lama said the following, the whole world should pay more attention to how to, how to transform our emotions. And I think we can all agree that that's so true of this current situation. 
some of us are getting there, but we have other brothers and sisters who are still taking their time with this. And, you know, we can see the same message throughout all the spiritist books we have. So books by spirit authors such as Andre Louise and Joanna G. Angelis, through the teachings of Buddha, Zoroastra, Matt, Moses, Jesus, Krishna, all these people. So perhaps, perhaps now, after 4,000 years, we can finally start to learn how to consider this, how to apply this to our daily lives. And for my last thought, I don't rem remember where I heard this, but for me it's quite clear. We are all on the same path, just wearing different shoes. Thank you very much. Back to you, Lawrence. Absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much, Adam. I was uh, totally enthralled there and fascinated. Absolutely brilliant. Fabricio, what would you like I, to say? I was actually traveling through that time frame with you throughout the whole journey. And that was amazing. It was touching my heart so deeply that really, really, really um, good. So we have some questions that come up here from our friends on Facebook. So the first one uh, come from one second. Um, it's from Eddie. He says, in the, old, in the old world, people didn't love themselves, let alone others. It's time to love ourselves so that we can love others. How do we advance humanity? How do we advance humanity? Right. Let me sit up a bit because my face has been covered by the Whoops. banner. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm up here. Um, <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, that's a great way to see how we can advance humanity. Oh, there we go. That's even better. Um, so, in the old world, people didn't love themselves, let alone others. Well, I, I would disagree with that slightly. In the old world, people knew how to love each other. They knew very well the connections that we needed with each other, the peace that we needed to be able to survive as communities, as societies. But yes, I think it is more, it is a time for us to learn how to live and love with others. So live with others and love others better than we have been doing. So how can we advance humanity? Charity. Be charitable. Love your neighbour yourself. Be charitable. Find a great cause that you know how to help with. If you have a food bank that needs support, go and buy a few things. Give to them. If there's a local charity that needs volunteers, now there's still many people who need people to get medicines for them at the moment because they're still in self-isolation. People need shopping bought for them. People who might need their garden tidied up for them because they can't get out to do it themselves. These small things, and it is only small things that we need to do, but all starts up here. Our perception, our thoughts of what, the, what who is that person to me? They might be a stranger, but how should I treat them with love, respect? It is as simple as that. We need to respect each other far more than we have been. 
Because how much prejudice is there still going on nowadays? And how much comes from our thoughts of, uh, because, well, you know, you know, we have to stop letting ourselves be weak and be stronger and actually go, no, actually, I'm going to put aside the differences I have. Let go of my ego, which is telling me that this kind of person isn't nice, that kind of person that isn't nice, this social group or that social group are strange or whatever. I don't agree with that. You don't have to agree with how everyone lives their life, but we can still respect them. So I think you can start from there. Thank you. <laughs> Next one is again from Eddie. Does the golden rule also include self-protection? Alain Kardec lived 150 years ago. Has his spiritus been or being updated? Um, well, great question. So self-protection, well, yes, of course. The golden rule is all about self-protection because the only way that we can protect ourselves from negative influences is to be a peaceful, loving person. The only way that we can protect ourselves from negative reactions from other people is to be a peaceful, loving person. So yes, that is the core of self-protection. Because, you know, when anyone comes to us and they want to say anything negative, they want to criticize us, they want to say something abusive to us, are we going to be abusive back to them? No. So self-protection side of it is respect them for who they are. Respect them as a brother and sister within the same humanity and just be just be at peace with them. Say, well, you say that, you've hurt my feelings, but, you know, please go on your way. Don't, whether or not uh, spiritism has been or is being updated, or well, spiritism is a living science and philosophy. Um, I wouldn't say it's been updated per se, because to be honest, everything that we can find in the core works of spiritism, in this book I've got here right behind me, the, the spirits book, it's all still valid now, absolutely valid now. There's almost nothing we can find, in, actually there, there is nothing we can find in the spirits book which is not valid for present society. Absolutely every single thing in there, and it's over 1,000 questions that are in there, is still valid for all aspects of day-to-day -day life. So I don't think it needs updating, not at the moment. Great. Um, another great comment that came out from Colin. Um, we love in our communities and classes, what we need is to break down the artificial barriers. Yeah, exactly. We do have so many artificial barriers. You're absolutely right with that. You know, it's uh, media that that instigates barriers. Me when media criticizes one group of people or another group of people. Now we do create, there are some people who do create actual barriers, normally based on politics, normally based on religious hatred. 
But most barriers that we have in our day-to-day -day lives are artificial because they're all in our mind. And with Spiritism, it helps us to understand that whatever we go through now, others will go through as well. What other, what other people go through, we will at some point go through as well. We have reincarnation, which gives us these opportunities to live through different lives, different experiences, different opportunities to learn, to grow. So today I'm a Caucasian male, going a little bit bald on top. <laughs> Next incarnation, I could be from Africa. Another incarnation, I could be from India. I could be completely different skin color, completely different gender. You know, who are we to judge other people? And also, what harm have these other people done to us? We don't need any wars. We don't need fighting with each other. You know, we've had too many social political wars based on religious ideals, based on religious hatred, based on political ideals. We don't need it. So all these things are artificial. Like I said, we're all from the same source. We're all brothers and sisters within humanity. And we know brothers and sisters like to fight from time to time, but brothers and sisters also take care of each other quite a lot. Thank you, Adam. I'm going to take um, one more question. Um, well, I we have got one more, so two more questions, and then we'll go to our last announcements before we close the event. So I will stop with Bob's question. So the next one is from Sue. She says, do you feel that we have to shed to self, to shed the self? Um, that's a very philosophical and psychological question for me, Sue, to be very honest, <laughs> because what is the self? No, the self helps us to have our, our, own, our own identity, really. Um, so to shed the self, not really, because without that, we wouldn't have much of an identity. Maybe to shed our ego, which is our pride, our vanity, and that gets in, in the way a lot of everything we do. It's our pride which tells us, I'm better than those people. I'm better than these other people. Oh, and there's another part to what Sue's saying there. Yeah, she says, do you feel that we have to be less self-critical and non-judgmental towards ourselves before we can generally accepting of all others or else it would be pretense and false? Yes. You're quite right with that, Sue. We have to be less self-critical and non-judgmental towards ourselves. But there are many people who can find that they can be non-judgmental and less critical towards others. And through that, they can learn to apply that to themselves. So I'm not saying that it has to be either or, but it does go hand in hand. But no, we, we can only learn through experience. And we do need to be less critical of ourselves. You know, there's this, one of the buzz, buzzwords of the last few years is body shaming. 
Now we see this a lot. We see lots of teenagers influenced on Instagram, for example, and then they become very self-critical. They become very judgmental towards themselves because they're comparing themselves to a model or an actress or someone who's had liposuction and Botox and whatever. So, you know, we have to stop comparing ourselves to others. We can only really compare ourselves to ourselves and to let go of all of this so that we can truly take care of and respect each other. Great. Um, coming up to our last question from our friend Bob Williams. He says, much religion has caused folk to hate themselves. For the golden rule, do you agree we each need to show love for ourselves, not selfishly, but as God made us and love us? Yes. Bob, great question. <laughs> Simple answer. Yes. No. We have to have love for ourselves. And like I said at the start, well, like I said a moment ago, it is difficult. With the whole COVID-19 situation, this whole lockdown situation, many people have lost levels of respect for themselves. We have seen many people go through deep levels of anxiety and depression recently. And that is, on the whole, due to you know, a lack of love for ourselves. So we need to boost that. Remember who we are, why we're here, all the great things we can do with our lives. And, you know, be happy. Great. Um, Adam, do, before we um, close the event, and I will hand it back to Lawrence for the um, closing prayer, do you want to do your announcements? Yes, absolutely. So if Lawrence can share my screen again, thank you. So um, I want to give everyone who's watching uh, I'd like to ask a very big favor. And this is on behalf of a group called Group of Spiritus Shela, which is a group run by our very good friend, Florenzo Anton, who's the mediumistic painter, who gave a presentation in pool with Lawrence back in February. And as well as being a medium, he is a qualified nurse. And he runs this group in Salvador in Brazil, and they have a lot of very good social work in the local community community called Musurunga. It's a poor community, and they are quite reliant on the work of this group. And oops, if I go the correct way in my presentation, there we go. So, and through they raise their money through donations and through the paintings that Florenzo completes. So he goes around Europe, he goes around many places in Brazil, creating these paintings, paintings inspired from spirits. And they are sold off at the end of the presentations and all that money goes to their institution. And all this money helps them to complete all these following things. So social support for these local families, educational and career support, medical support, housing, monthly food baskets, hygiene kits, bread and milk for children, support for those who are pregnant, nappies, 
and just to show a couple of pictures of their work. So on the top left, that's their educational work. And I can see all these kids there and you can probably see a, what looks like cake and presents. And this is actually from a monthly activity they have is for each month they celebrate all the birthdays of the children that have happened that month. And that for some of these children, this might be the only opportunity they have to have a birthday cake or birthday presents because of the poor situations that they live in. And the bottom left, this was a workshop that they completed in their local macro wholesaler where the kids, they learned about, they learned some skills to help them think about careers that they want to go ahead with in the future. And on the right, here's Florenza giving a, basque, a collection of things, a baby box to this woman. And they do this for every single baby that's born into the community. They'll give them this collection of things to help the mother get on with things. So we have little wash tubs so they can wash the baby, collections of nappies and clothes and things. And why are we asking for this? Well, during this whole COVID situation, obviously they've not been able to operate correctly. Florenzo has not been able to go out and sell the paintings that he receives through medium, mediumistic abilities. And without that money, they can't support these families. So how can, how can you help? How can you donate? So there are two main ways. Um, if you're able to make an international donation, these are the details on the left. But if you want to make a donation via Cardec Group, we are happy to receive donations and we send donations once a month. This is an ongoing activity. It's not, this isn't the once off. We're doing this continuously. And so the details are on the right there. And it's really important that you use the reference Shayla as it's written there. And the details, you can find these details on our website as well. So www.cardec.org.uk slash donations. And all these details will be there for you. And like I said, it's really, really great if people can donate a little bit here and there, you know, a small amount does help. And these people are very important to us. You know, Florenzo does work a lot to try to help all these people, even through this current situation, all these poor communities need help. So just like, we, we know that there are communities all around the world who need help and support, but these are very dear friends to us. And so on their behalf, thank you for any consideration that you will have. Thank you, Adam. Um, again, um, thank you very much for being here with us tonight. Thank you for the talk. Um, before I hand it over back to Lawrence, um, our next talk uh, is on the 24th of July with Dr. Tanya Stevenin. The topic that uh, Dr. Tanya is going to share with us is about health, mental health and mediumship. She's a doctor psychologist, and she will be talking about mental health and mediumship on the 24th of July. 
So now I hand it over to you, Lawrence, for our closing prayer, please. Thank you, Fabricio. And once more, dear friends, let's go into that silence. Connect with that divinity which resides within each and every one of us. We give thanks for this evening, for this information shared, for the thoughts that it inspires, for the understandings that grow ever broader to prove once again that we are one. This whole world is made of one energy, one source, one divinity, and each and every one of us are a reflection of that self-same source. Amen. So, Wonderful. Oh, God. <laughs> very good. So I just want to say um, thank you very much for everyone from the Pool Christian Spiritual Church who is watching us, the Spiritist Society of Bournemouth, Kardec Radio over in America, and the Spiritist Society Made Head and Bista. So thank you very much for all of you that have been with us tonight. And also, uh, Fabricio, the Spiritist Society of Southampton was sharing the video as well, so it was very nice of them. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> Adam, would you like to say good night, sir? Good night, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. It's been it's been great as always. Wonderful. Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, for those of you who are regular joining in on our online events, our next one tomorrow morning at 9am, we have our online meditation. That'll be taken by myself. And then tomorrow evening at 7pm, we welcome Simon James, who will be talking about spirit and spiritualism now and in the future. So it's tomorrow morning at 9am for a short meditation, 7pm in the evening uh, for a talk with Simon James. He's co-author of Magician to Mystic, uh, a very well-received book about mediumship. And of course, on Sunday, we will be having our second live stream service from the church at 3 p.m. And this Sunday, we have Janet Ridge will be taking our service. So thank you all for joining us tonight. And thank you to those dear ones who will watch us later on Catch Up. Uh, and we're enjoying looking after you all. Thank you. <laughs>